December is a month of celebration, togetherness, and tying off loose ends and imagining the future. If I can offer one culture tip for this moment, it would be to create a culture plan for the new year. Culture doesn't just happen, you need to make it happen. In general, a company's most expensive asset is its people. So it surprises me when companies fail to develop a culture or people plan that invests to grow that asset. Write a mission statement, define company values, build a culture roadmap as you would approach a product, measure, adapt, and make culture a priority. At Rebel, we make it a priority to have some fun together each quarter. We have a budget, a strategy, and a plan to keep our culture vibrant. As a team, we've gone curling to the trampoline park, done escape rooms, and thrown axes. Doing this kind of thing doesn't need to be expensive. We've had just as much fun hosting poker tournaments and playing party games in the office. A great culture is easy to grow, but it takes energy and some planning, so it needs to be considered as part of your business. Until next month, this has been Rob Villeneuve, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. One of the most important parts of naming your new business is finding an available website name that works. Today's episode is brought to you by .ca. Join thousands of Canadian entrepreneurs who have chosen a .ca domain name for their business. Choose your .ca domain name at cira.ca forward slash startup today. Entrepreneurship doesn't have to be tough when it's cooked right. Co-founder of Relish Gourmet Burgers serves up well-done recipes for startup success. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rivers Corbett, the CEO at coachingbyrockstars.com. Startup Canada Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the rallying network uniting Canada's entrepreneurship community. And on this podcast, we connect you, the idea person, the startup founder, the creative thinker with the movers and shakers of Canadian entrepreneurship. On the show, we will fill you in on the trends, opportunities, and possibilities of your next steps as an entrepreneur. And we're going to have amazing conversations on advancing entrepreneurial success and growth in Canada. If you're a regular Startup Canada podcast listener, Welcome back and thanks to any of our new listeners. Remember to subscribe to the Startup Canada podcast on the iTunes stores and then visit startupcan.ca to become a member of Startup Canada and get access to mentors, resources, support and opportunities to start and grow your business. I'm just thrilled to have as our guest today, Alec Levin. He's the co-founder and CEO of Steadfast Beta, a user research platform that speeds up turnaround time for tech startups testing user experience. Love it. Love it. And we're going to be talking with Alec about user research and beta testing for startups. Before Steadfast Beta light bulb turned on, Alec worked for Screen Sciencescape, sorry, inside the field of user research and testing, working alongside biomedical researchers. Over the past few years, he has also acted as a peer mentor for the University of Toronto and continues to give back to the startup community as Startup Canada partner, helping Startup Canada learn more about entrepreneurs within its community so they can serve them better. Just perfect, Alex. Really pleased to have you on the show today, my friend. 
Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. All right. So let's get into a quote that you have been quoted as saying. So somewhere along the lines, either you said it or someone said that you said it, but you've been quoted as saying, my friend, we're trying to make sharing research information easier. Can I can I get you to give us a little bit of background under that quote? Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it sort of comes back to what we do at Steadfast and um one of the things that's that's really challenging for a lot of entrepreneurs today and a lot of people that are just trying to build new products is to really understand what users want. And that is not just sort of like what problem you're trying to solve in their lives, but also what kind of user experience those users want. So um, basically what we try and do with, with everything that we build is not only make it easy to work with your users and do research with them to figure out what they want, but also to communicate that with the rest of your team so that you can actually go out and build the right product that'll actually make users' lives better. Yeah, very cool. Look, uh, research is uh, is obviously a passion here. You're the total opposite of me when it comes to that spectrum anyway. I'm, <laughs> and, and by the way, I know you got to do research and I know you got to do it well in order to make smart decisions. So kudos to you to have that passion. But where does it come from? Um, I, you know, to be honest, I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, I've sort of, I studied human biology when I was an undergrad. Um, and I, I thought it was really interesting. I probably was going to go to grad school to, uh, at U of T to work in some of the labs there. Uh, but I, I came across, uh, this startup that was doing some really interesting stuff in the biomedical research space. And I wanted to get involved. And a lot of what I ended up doing was talking to users and learning about what they want. And that, that just, sort of slowly became something that I was, uh, became more and more interested in over time. So uh, it's, it's not something that I necessarily always knew about myself. Uh, I just sort of fell into it by accident almost. And, and it's sort of taken off from there. Well, you're a lucky man to identify what, you know, what is your, what is in your DNA and what are you passionate about? It's uh, it's very cool. And uh, a lot of people go through life, not even beginning to realize that. So it is what it is and you seem to really enjoy it. And so can you tell us your story about Steadfast Beta, about yourself and your journey to become an entrepreneur, but of course, you know, the, the Steadfast Beta story also. Yeah. So, um, I was uh, studying human biology at U of T and uh, uh, it was coming up to the, to the end of third year and I was um, volunteering in this lab and I had no idea what I was going to do. Um, you know, in, in about 12 months after that, I was expected to sort of enter into the workplace and get a job or figure something out at least. And uh, I came across this company that was started by a PhD student at U of T uh, and they were solving this problem that had personally affected me as a student and I knew it was affecting a lot of researchers, which was that it was really difficult to find and stay on top of all the relevant scientific information that's coming out about a specific field. And so, you know, I basically went up to them and said, hey, this is something that I'd really like to get involved with. And I ended up doing a few different projects for them. And eventually they sort of hired me on as, uh, you know, in no specific role, but just I was going to find some things to do for them uh, once they were funded and everything. And so, then uh, I, a lot of what I ended up doing was, you know, going out and figuring out what users wanted. So sometimes we'd launch stuff and it wouldn't go as planned and someone had to go and figure out why users weren't using it or, or why that feature wasn't being used. And so that ended up usually falling on me. <laughs> and so out I would go and I'd run around from lab to lab at U of T 
And I talk to researchers and we sort of sit down and we try and hash it out and figure it out. And I try to figure out what they didn't like about it. And then I take those, uh, the sort of information I pulled from that back to the team and we sort of start to iterate on that. And one of the things that I really started to think about was that it was, it seemed really inefficient that we were, you know, spending time thinking about features and then designing them and then engineering them. And then only then were we going out and, and sort of talking to users afterwards. And I thought it would make a lot more sense if there was a really easy way for us to just bring those users into the process. So as we talk about different ideas internally, if we could also have the people who would be the end users of whatever we wanted to build to sort of participate in that conversation as well. And when we go through design phases and engineering phases to have them sort of inputting to make sure that every time we, we invest our resources into design and development, that it was well sort of um, uh, well-placed bets. And so that's sort of where Steadfast came from, which was basically how do we, how do we get users involved in a way that's lightweight for them and that gives um, product teams the, the insight that they need. And where's the, uh, where's the major um, uh, focus for your business from a, from a target market perspective? So right now we're really focused on um, companies that are building tech products. So uh, it happens to be a lot easier to do your research and, and testing with um, digital products because they're really easy to iterate on and change uh, pretty quickly. So that's great. Um, and also, it's interesting that a lot of companies that have previously, you know, not looked as looked at tech as not very important or not core to their businesses that are currently like. Um, very much changing their focus to saying tech is going to be a big part of everything we do. So whether you're a retailer that's now looking at sort of e-commerce as much more of where your business is going to come from, or you're a media company and you need to figure out how you're going to engage with your audience, technology is becoming more and more important. And as those companies too, especially um, try and figure out where their place is in this sort of new market, uh, they're sort of trying to figure out, well, how do we get to know what customers want from a digital perspective, from an, you know, from an application perspective? And so those are companies that we really like to work with as well. Those that are trying to figure out what the next evolution of their products and their companies looks like. So tell me about your team. Uh, what's the what's the makeup of your team? I'm, I'm fascinated with your company. And, and it's one of those, <laughs> it's, it's funny how you came up with the value proposition when it's so darn obvious, of course, you know, <clears throat> test the product with the user as you, you're developing it. And, uh, and uh, so that's, you know, that's brilliant in itself. You identified a very uh, a necessary uh, component to make uh, uh, the evolution of startups work correctly. But um, tell us about your team that you built around that to start to deliver, deliver that, uh, that service. So uh, my co-founder and I, we started working on this um, basically January of 2015. And uh, he's technical. He's an amazing sort of engineer and architect of all, of all things code. And so uh, I'm completely incompetent on that end. And I've been banned <laughs> from touching anything relating to a, a code base. So Sounds like a good team. Yeah, it's, it's you know it, the the responsibilities are very much distributed in 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 a good way, and neither of us feels any desire to infringe on the other mm. person's territory, which is great. Um, so so it was me and him to start, and um, we found this uh, this uh, a good friend or someone who's now a good friend who does all our design and marketing work, who's sort of um, basically part time a part of our team, uh, who runs a little agency that tar that uh, helps out startups in particular called White Elephant Agency. Right on. 
Yeah. And so the principal of that uh, organization has been amazing and a great partner for us. And then we have uh, another pair of hands on the technical side and another pair of hands on the operation side helping me out as well. Mm. So we're pretty small. We're pretty lean. We, we keep everything sort of as cost efficient as possible. Um, and we've been very fortunate that everyone on our team has really bought into the vision of what we're trying to do, which is really change the way we build products. Like we think it's silly that in this day and age, we're, we're designing and building and ideating without ever having conversations with customers and without ever, you know, bringing them into, into the decision-making process. And so, um, when you have a kind of vision like that, it's, it's, we're, we're fortunate that we're able to, to attract some really, really great people that, that just want to work and, with us and, and see it succeed. So it's, this is, uh, you're, you're, you're technically uh, very much at the beginning stages of your, of your business as a startup, and yet you were accomplishing great things, and congratulations on that. But can you tell us, can you tell us for those entrepreneurs that are, uh, that are, that are listening and they say, oh my gosh, that first year, what's that like? What was it like for you when you became officially a company and 12 months, uh, what was your 12 month journey to a point you say, okay, those are some cool things that I learned along the way. Can you share those with us? Uh, sure. Um, I mean, mostly, uh, you know, not to be overly dramatic, but it was, it was sort of agonizing. Um, <laughs> the, there's a lot of things that, um, in retrospect, I, I think we would, we would have done differently. Um, so one thing is I never would have been without a job when I was getting started. Yeah. That was, that was really tough. Um, you know, uh, it's been many, many months without a steady paycheck yeah. to, to bank on. And I never really had a lot of savings either. So that was quite difficult. Um, the other thing that was challenging was, um, we we were in, in many ways early on, we were trying to grasp or wrap our heads around what specifically what problem we were solving. And our first attempt at a product, um, you know, originally we thought, well, we're just trying to get feedback on design. Like that was the whole idea. And as we sort of launched that and we got some feedback on that and we it turned out that it just wasn't the right problem. The problem was much bigger than that. And so, you know, there, there is very much a discovery process. And the only way to figure that out is to continually talk to your customers, talk to your users, um, you know, build and launch things with their feedback in mind, and then just continue to tr to, to push forward. But it was it was really really difficult. Um, and uh, in retrospect, it, it would have been good to have some sort of income, uh, and and really understand that this is a much longer term play. That was the yeah, other thing is right. that it it took way way longer than I thought it would to get anywhere. Yeah, that's that's interesting. You know, it's, it's what you're saying. By the way, of course, you're not alone in in going through that experience and having those scars. And and yet, we tend to when we we, we sometimes entrepreneurs just think, oh, it's not that's not going to be me. I'm going to be different. When in reality, it's exactly the case. And you know, it's interesting you talk about the job piece. Uh, I just finished reading the book uh, Shoe Dog uh, by Phil Knight. He's the guy that uh, founded Nike, and he had a job for close to six years working full-time while he was building Nike with the team around him. And uh, yeah, he wanted to be in there, but he also had to put, you know, food on the table. At that point, he had a young wife and uh, and uh, and a young child. And so you got to do what you got to do, and there's no shame in doing it as long as you're focused in on, uh, on working your business and keeping it going forward. So I appreciate that advice because a lot of people wouldn't admit to that in public. They may do it in private, but not public because uh, that's just not how it's usually done. 
done, quote unquote. So thank yeah, you for and, that. And, yeah, my pleasure. And, and um, actually, Y Combinator has some really, really good advice on this. And one thing that I that I should have done early on as well was to not call it a startup, but to call it a project until mm. we really had the traction. I mean, I always knew that I, or I always thought there was a really big opportunity to build a, a business there. Um, but early on, people's expectations are very different when you show them something. If you say it's a startup, you know, people think, okay, well, in six years, you're going to have a billion users. Um, and so you show them something that obviously early on is not very impressive and they don't get excited by it versus if you if you call it a project and you set their expectations really, really low, you probably have a, a much easier time um, getting people to sit down with you and to and to chat and figure out sort of what the next step should be. Brilliant. So that, that's another piece of advice that, yeah. I, that I wish I had early on. Well, that's interesting. I'm working with a young uh, startup now and I'm going to actually give him that piece of advice because uh, there's no revenue coming in yet. And, um, and uh, you know, I think to set expectations correct is a Great, great thing, and it of course helps your psyche also, right? It's not just about expectations for the for uh, the public, but also for your own psyche uh, as you're going forward. Appreciate that a lot. Okay, so let's talk about user research. And first of all, what the heck is user research? That you're, I want you to, th- I want you to describe it as if you're talking to your grandmother right now. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll start off by saying that there's a lot of these sort of uh, terms in the in the field of user experience, um, user experience design and research and all that kind of stuff that um, are are not strictly defined and not extremely well defined, or there's a lack of consensus around it. But the way I look at it is. Um, it's the process of going out and, and learning about what problems your users have and figuring out um, what they want and what their lives are like and how you can sort of make an impact on it. So it's really about doing research on who your customer is or who your user would be, mm-hmm. um, figuring out who they are as people, what motivates them, what challenges they face, sort of really building like a persona around um, who your typical customer would be, um, and then sort of continuously learning about them over time, especially as you develop your product. Um, and so you can learn about them as an individual or, or sort of before you have anything. So what problems do they have? How might you start to address them? And then as you develop a product over time, you can sort of also learn more about how they use your product, um, what they like about it, what they don't like about it, all that kind of stuff. So it's really a, a general term for learning about who your typical user is. So how does that differ from beta testing? So beta testing is um, sort of a specific kind of product testing um, that typically happens uh, after a, a launch, but before a public launch. Mm-hmm. So typically um, in, an, in a technology firm, when you're developing a product, it starts off in an ideation phase and it goes through design then it goes through engineering and then quality assurance. And after quality assurance, they sort of have a sort of a beta group or a beta test where um, they let uh, a number of customers or users use it that don't have the desi- the need or the expectation of like completely bug-free experiences. Um, and so that's usually a time where the company and the product team can get some feedback from people that will actually use the product before they go and promote it to the world and say, look at this amazing product we have. Mm. And so typically when people think about user testing, um, usually they're only focused on, um, the, uh, you know, we, we've just finished this thing. Now let's make sure it's not buggy and then let's launch it to the world when really you want to have the feedback and coming in and the sort of interaction with the customer throughout 
the entire process from the very beginning of I have this idea all the way through to the public launch. Why have we not done this before now? That just doesn't make any sense. It's so freaking obvious you do that versus build it and hope that they're going to buy it. Well, a lot of things have changed, to be honest. So um, it used to be, you know, I, we uh, some of us can remember the the days of build it and they will and they will come, mm, right? Yep. And so in the early days of the internet, uh, there's lots of people that were just trying to explore and find cool things um, because there was nothing to do and there was nothing that cool. So if you built something interesting, eventually enough people would find it and you you'd have a business. And then at some point we realized, okay, that's not a thing anymore because there's too much going on in the internet. And so there's lots of people building products. So build them, they will come was no longer a thing. And now we're reaching this new, this new generation of technology products that just understand the user, what the user wants so, so deeply and understands what the, the ideal user experience should be. So think about, you know, what face the Facebook feed looks like or Snapchat or Twitter or Uber. I mean, with Uber, it's one one click and somebody will pick you up in their car and take you wherever you want to go. Mm. I mean, that's amazing. You know, no thought needs to go into it. It's one button press and you're off you go. And so that sort of set the bar for what user experience needs to look like on every product. So the same 20 apps that we all have that are just so powerful, so elegant, right? They're setting the standard for every new startup, for every company that's building their first technology product. And that's really, really challenging right. for, for teams to sort of meet that standard without um, having, you know, 500 people working on the product like many of those other companies have. So the the, the environment of, of technology products has changed tremendously over the last few years. Very cool. So I've always been a fan of uh, saying that business is simply a dating game and uh, your, uh, your, your, your business is about understanding if we even want to talk about dating, let alone start dating. And so how does the dialogue happen? And what's the, what's the, what's the best way to talk to, uh, to users or potential users for your business? Is there a, a trick that gets the type of response that you, that is, that is, I'll say not the one you want, but th- that is that you feel has got credibility behind it versus what you, what you, they think you want to hear. Yeah. So, so we're actually going to be um, publishing a guide uh, called user testing for founders soon, or at least that's the working title for it that really goes through tactically and lays out sort of, you know, here are all the steps you should take. Here's why they are the way they are. And if you just follow this routine, you'll end up with, you know, great feedback and, and, and a great community to work with. Um, but to sort of summarize really quickly um, how you, how you go and, and sort of make this happen. The, the first thing is obviously you need users to talk to. And so, so um, start, start off by building a list of friends or people you can reach out to on LinkedIn. And then when you reach out to them, there's a few things that you want to sort of keep in mind. Um, so the first one is obviously introduce yourself and what you're doing. The second thing is you'd want to tell them why what you're working on matters. Right. So, you know, if you're building a sales tool, we want to make it, you know, we want to make it easier and more efficient for you to be able to connect with the prospects that'll that'll help you reach your quota. Right. So that sort of thing that you're aspiring towards. And then the last thing is, you know, what you're looking for. So, again, I would I would say, you know, mention that what you're doing is under development. You're looking for feedback and would really appreciate their time. And so one of the things that that I found is people generally, if you show that you 
are, are actually personally reaching out to them and respect that any sort of interaction with you takes away from free time that they could be doing other things. People are generally really willing to go out and help you. Um, and so if you just are, are thoughtful in your communication with users, you can get them to sit down with you. And then when you do that, the, the key thing that I think a lot of people forget is, you know, the entire conversation when you're doing a 20 minute or 30 minute user test or, or sort of session where you're just learning more about them, it should be all about them, not about your product. Right. It should be all about them. So, you know, understanding their experience, trying out their product or how they experience a particular feature um, and really try and understand their feelings and their thoughts as they go through it, because that's what you're building for. Right. Um, so the product really has to mold to what their desires and needs are. And then the other thing that I think people really miss out on is there's this awesome opportunity to continue working with people that have given you good feedback in the future. Right. Right. And so you can just nicely ask them like, hey, you know, we're working like crazy on this. Uh, we're trying to push code every day. I- I'm wondering if maybe I could reach out to you in, in three or four weeks and get get feedback on, w- on what we're sort of will be next in the pipeline at that time. Right on. And most people will say yes. Yeah, and yep. then that's how you build a community of people mm. that at any given no, any, any given moment can give you some awesome feedback on on how to improve what you're doing and, and help make your process more efficient. Yeah, just asking permission to connect. I love it. I love it. So, so, so simple. So if uh, if you're sitting in front of a, a group of, of uh, entrepreneurs right now, what's the one thing that you would say to them? This is what you should do right now today within the next 60 minutes to start the engagement process to your users to help them grow their business so the the the, honestly the first thing the only thing i would tell them is is you know if you have users already look up their email addresses and send them a personal note from yourself asking them you know if if they would be, you know, sort of willing to, to give your feedback or if there's anything that they'd be willing to share with you about your product. And it's as simple as that. Yeah, it's a manual process. It can be painful at times. Um, it's, you know, there's going to be some harsh feedback in there, but it's, it's just the personal touch that, that makes a huge, huge difference. And you don't have to do this with a thousand people. You want to do it with maybe 25, 50. If you have a big product with a big user base, maybe a hundred people, but it's not, you, you don't need to go super, super sort of broad with your outreach, but really have those conversations. The amount that you will learn from those is so tremendous and it will save you so much time and effort in the long run um, that it's, it's, it's almost always an extremely high leverage use of your time. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. You've, uh, you know, you're a young entrepreneur i'm saying from the your 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 venture perspective and it, uh, and also a young person also you're quite involved with the uh, with the startup community and you've been getting steadfast beta involved with startup canada and so on i mean that's 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 crazy wonderful stuff that you saw the necessity as a young company to also start to give back. Um, is that part of your culture of your organization? Is it yours? And why Startup Canada? Well, I mean, I think that the, and this has been talked about by smarter people than me, but, you know, <laughs> startup start startups are sort of destined for death from the moment that they, that they start out. And the only way that they succeed is through a ton of hard work and, and, and thoughtfulness, but also a lot of serendipity and a lot of luck. And that really comes, I think a lot of that comes from, you know, going out of your way to help other people and building a community. And that's, that just is, 
you know, is what makes startups special in a way, because the only way they succeed is through that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, there's things that, that sort of, we happen to be good at, whereas others are not so good at it. And so the things that, you know, we can offer help and advice for, you know, is, is something that we're, we're, as long as it won't grind the business to a halt is something that we're always happy to do. Right. And, um, and, and it, it's not, I mean, I guess I suppose it is like a favor and a nice thing to do, but you know, we get plenty of help coming our way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things that I'm terrible at, I'm terrible at marketing and I've got a bunch of people who are really good at marketing that try and help me out with that. And I've got a lot to learn and hopefully one day soon I'll be able to hire somebody that's way, way, way better than I am at it. But in the meantime, I have lots of people that are just offering up their time to help. So, you know, whatever we can do on sort of the, the side that we really understand, which is better, how, how to, how to better understand your users and your customers, we can help out with that. So that's something we're always happy to help out with. And so for startup Canada, you know, to better understand what entrepreneurs need, I mean, that that's important too, not just from a, from like our relationship with startup Canada, but also for Canadian entrepreneurs across the country. So, you know, in a small way we can help with that. That's, that's great. Yeah. I love it. And what's cool about what you just said, Alec, is that you give by doing, by keeping honest to what you're good at. It's, uh, and you know, you see a lot of people volunteer, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get involved with things. That, oh, I'll t- okay. I'll be the treasurer. Cause no one else is going to be the treasurer on a committee as an example. And, and they, have no desire, no passion. And so the role doesn't get the best uh, out of you that it should. That's not what you do. You focus in on what you're really good. You're not good at marketing. So you don't go in and say, okay, I'll hang out with the marketing committee just so I say I'm going to help. No, you stick to your knitting. And that's, uh, I think that's a really great lesson to learn for any businesses that are thinking of uh, getting involved in any type of community work. Stick to your knitting. Love it. And it's also a great way to show that, you know, whatever sort of business you're trying to run, like you actually know what you're doing. Yes. So, yes. You know, that that's a, a positive side effect of doing that kind of stuff. So, Brilliant. you know, it, it can't lose. No, really. you really can't. Okay. So let's talk about Ryerson University and the DM, uh, DMZ. Is, I, uh, is it the DMZ or DMZ? They call it the DMZ. It's crazy. <laughs> How come Canada? We just all call it D- Z all the time, and all now now it's a DMZ. So, I think they think it sounds a little bit a little bit more cool, a little bit more yeah, edgy. Yeah. I can get that. I can buy that. Yeah, I can buy that too. That works. That works. So tell us about your relationship with the with the, the DMZ and Ryerson University, and you know how have you uh, been involved with them, and and some of the stuff you get back because I think this community aspect of building businesses is really important. Yeah, I mean the the DMZ is uh, it, it's really it's really great. I think they've they've done with very limited resources. They built a really really great place for startups, um, and they're obviously constantly improving. And I'm really really excited for some of the cool stuff that they've got. Um, you know, br- bringing onto their team and and in terms of programming and new personnel uh, over the next sort of six months or so, which I think will be huge for them. Um, but it's it's a really great place for a startup to be in Toronto. Um, uh, and, and the, the, the people that are, that are there, that are, uh, running the, the organization have great advice, have, um, you know, they go and recruit great entrepreneurs and residents that are extremely helpful and, and useful for the startups in the space. And there's definitely, um, some other great startup founders that you can sort of connect and gel with and, and complain with and, and, <laughs> you know, kvetch, kvetch with them and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, it, it's, it's been a real pleasure to be there. And, uh, you 
know, I definitely recommend if, if that's an opportunity that, that you and your, your startup or company has like to, to definitely take it quite seriously. Well, Alec, we've got a large audience uh, listening to the Startup Canada podcast from coast to coast, and uh, the listeners right now want to get your last words, observations, whatever else you would like to share that you think will be value to them. It's over to you, my friend, for the for the last, but technically the last word that really means something. I, of course, got to say goodbye somewhere along <laughs> here, but, <laughs> but uh, over to you. Yeah, I mean, the, the only really thing I'd say is like, you know, th- think about why you're starting your business. What's the point, right? Like you're probably doing it because you see a pain point that other people have, right? That is negatively affecting their ability to interact with their friends or get their work done or spend time with their family, whatever it happens to be. And if that's the case, then you should really spend time getting to know those people and talking with them. After all, you are building a business to help them, right? It is going to deliver value to other people. So, you know, you can treat these people, you know, not all of them, not everybody's going to listen to you and, and want to hear what you have to say, but those that do and that believe in what you're doing, they will just become a, a massive, massive asset to you, to your business. The more you talk with them, the more you learn about what their needs are, um, the, the more likely you, you will, uh, the, the greater the chance that you'll have an extremely successful startup and a successful business. And, and at the end of the day, all of us are starting businesses to help people. Uh, businesses happen to be great ways to help people and startups especially. So, you know, get to know the people that you're trying to help become their friend, um, get intimate with them and learn as much as you can about what their needs are and how to meet them. Love it. Great, great, great exit. Thank you so much. Well, gang, from coast to coast, this has been Alex Levin. He's the CEO and co-founder of Steadfast Beta. You want to check him out? Actually, Alec, how do they find you on, um, on the internet? What's your, your URL? Yeah, so you can uh, reach me at alec at steadfastbeta.com. Okay. Uh, you can check our, our website out at steadfastbeta.com. And uh, if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, it's at Levin underscore Alec. Cool. Um, and yeah, happy to, uh, if you're working on a business, need some help with with trying to figure out how to get, figure out what your users want, I'm happy to uh, to share some insight or help however I can. So. Yeah, and I know you mean that too. Thank you again so much, sir, for your time. Have it a very successful day. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us today on the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly program dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every Canadian. Want access to even more amazing entrepreneur content? Well, then make sure you check out startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events. And my name is Rivers Corbett. I'm your host. As always, I invite you to follow me on Twitter at Rivers Corbett. I do the same thing with conveying all kinds of cool ideas and uh, conversations with entrepreneurs around the planet to help you guys have super success. Until next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you now with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Can you talk about that organization and what's the niche, what's the the need, the problem, the pain point that you saw when you started uh, Packet Wire Communications and, and tell us a little bit about your journey. Sure, absolutely. So basically, you know, and I'm going to use the term Packwire Communications was a boutique IT consulting company. And there's actually there's, <laughs> okay. there's a good lesson in there, actually, that that, that I want to touch on. And um, so basically, the, the okay. idea of that organization was to help small businesses uh, 
um, entre- like owners and entrepreneurs understand technology. And, you know, like, like I said before, I did mean to use the term was there because as this, this is actually a company that I've recently wound down actually in, in just the last month. Um, okay. and I think this is personally a great lesson, um, f- for most entrepreneurs. And the, the lesson here is that just because you've done something doesn't mean you always have to keep doing it. Um, right on. so a lot of time. Yep. So, yeah, so a lot of times, you know, we're influenced by things like sunk time bias, right? The concept that we've spent so much time doing something that we have to Mm -hmm. keep doing it. But for me, while I was still having a great love of technology, um, I wanted to focus on building things, whether that be community or products or businesses. And so I kind of shifted my focus. And part of the shifting that focus was identifying areas that I potentially could, you know, whether it be shut down or re pivot or whatever it might be and so impact of our communications was one of those right and so i think that in itself is a good lesson that you know even though it's something that you know was relatively successful and i was able to help a lot of people for me i need to identify okay what's the next step and the next step was basically turning that guy down and re- repositioning myself to really help the community whether it be through the launch or through other ventures